Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Get everyone, how are you going? Uh, Phil Tarrant here. Thanks for joining us today on Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. I'm joined by my regular co-hosts, uh, the guys from the Right Property Group, Steve Waters and Victor Kumar. I nearly called it Victor, sorry, Steve Kumar and uh, Victor <laughs> Waters. Maybe that's why we should change it up. But how are you going, guys? You well? Going, well? going well, mate. Going, Polar going. opposites. Polar opposites. <laughs> yeah, literally. Oh, yeah. You guys are just like a, a good uh, investment portfolio, very diversified. You both have your own skill sets and uh, you, know, you bring it together and you do quite well. That was good. Yeah, that was really good. good. It yeah. was good. Yeah, I know. I should get on the motivation speaking circuit, right? I can see it now. Maybe. Yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> what's going on? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming in. It's um, it's one of the highlights of my month, actually, getting you guys in the studio to have a bit of a chat about property, and I use it as an opportunity for myself to learn more about what's going on. So um, I hope if you're tuning into this, you're doing it also. We've been going for this for a couple of years now, right? Two plus years. Is Two this? plus years. It's a long yeah. time, isn't it? Mm. It is. Yeah. Has really got much better, but uh, <laughs> it's always the host. It is Good always the host. Never blames their tools. Well, you know, this is this is the role of a host. It's just uh, my job trying to sculpt the conversation and actually get the best out of you guys. So uh, you put the T into talent. I um I put the M into mediocre. T- typically with my uh, <laughs> with my hosting efforts, but um here we are. We're uh, last time we got together it was post the election, and uh, we're all sort of quite optimistic about what the future lies ahead and I don't really want to revisit old ground but um, from what I see in the market right now there's a lot more people who are opening up the bonnet having a look into property they might have been on the wings waiting in the wings for some time and now they're reigniting or re-engaging with property investment and I know you guys keep connected with the numbers um, I saw sort of auction clearance rates uh, last weekend are looking a lot stronger so there's a lot of noise going on what are you guys seeing at the moment Steve? It's a since the trifecta of good news if you will there's been a Certainly a groundswell of optimism, not just through the general public, but via the agents and, and what have you. Yeah, there is some of that news, such as the APRA results, that's yet to be tabled mm-hmm. and approved, so to speak. There's news of another interest rate cut. All of that sort of goes into the pot of confidence building. And um, while the fundamentals don't change, consumer confidence does have a great deal of proof in the pudding, so to speak. It, it does make a difference. It's the beginning of everything. That's true. That's true. And uh, what we're also finding is that uh, true to form, whenever there's a federal election on, people do sit back and want to wait to see what the results are, regardless of what platforms being portrayed and all that sort of stuff. But this time around, it was a bit more telegraphed and a lot of lot of people actually sat in the backgrounds waiting for it to unfold and um, hoping that the changes would bring opportunities, and it has, but in not the way that most of us actually thought that it would. What are people saying to you, Victor? What sort of feedback are you getting from the podcast at the moment? Last time we got together, I think it went out sort of late May. We're now recording the um, middle of June. The feedback you're getting from people, is it is it, are people concerned? Are they, or are they, are they positive? What sort of questions are they asking you at the moment? What's, what's the main question you're getting asked at the moment? Is it the right time to get in the property, no doubt? Look, there's always two, uh, two camps on any... any um uh, issue right so um, the two camps we are seeing is um, that one side of it people that are educating themselves people that have got their finances in order and people that are changing strategies along with the changing market uh, and and refocusing their portfolios they're, they're buoyant as ever uh, and, and I say that in inverted commas because um, they're buoyant in the sense that they can see that the change that has happened in the market is a part of normal process. Then the other side of the of the camp is uh, obviously people that are still talking doom and gloom and saying that you know we haven't bottomed out. We 
we don't know what's happening. The economy isn't performing well. The world economy, the global economy isn't performing well. There, there are too many ifs and buts. And historically, we've always had this, right? So one of the key things that we always uh, discuss with our clients is to keep things focused, keep things real, and making sure that we are aiming towards an outcome. And if the market changes, if, if their personal circumstances do change, that all we really need to do is realign what we're doing to then uh, move, continue moving towards that goal. So it's really important, the, the alignment of where you are in your opportunity and how you can best connect it with your goals and your objectives. Last time we got together last last month, we spoke a lot about um, the election and stuff, and I don't want to go back over it, but one of the key discussions we had is was around people's relationship with debt mm-hmm. and how they approach debt and their attitude towards debt and how people that have a good relationship with debt are typically the best property investors because they're, they're able to make more informed decisions. But I, I know my relationship with debt has changed over the years from when I was a younger bloke uh, to where I am today. And I like to think I've got a good relationship with debt. But through experience, you actually get to evolve that. And it's much like someone's property portfolio, depending where you are at any given time, is going to dictate how you approach property investment and your relationship with property investment. I know we've got some some people in our business, some young people who, who are just starting their journey and, and the way they see property investment is very different than some people at the backside of retirement. Um, but I think only when you really get into it can you start understanding how that relationship sort of grows and evolves and often it's too late. And you must see, Victor, people mm-hmm. coming in to see you guys going, oh, look, I've got five more years left of work. I haven't really planned for my retirement very well. What do I do? I need to hurry up. Is, yeah. that, is that a pretty common look, sort of occurrence? It is, it is. And if you go back to the last podcast, we had some pretty good feedback on that in, in the sense that um, what we had discussed was just simply touching the surface of, of um uh, you know how money works and and uh, how our relationship with money works in, in in terms of debt and in terms of treating the transaction as a as a business transaction as such and uh, i also got a lot of feedback about my um anecdotal comment about uh, how my father viewed debt uh, as opposed to what what um, i had um and what i have now uh, in terms of changing the paradigm mm. uh, if you're listening to this for the first time go back to the last podcast and you you'll you'll uh, hear that comment but we do get people from all walks of life that we sit in front of, right? People, people that are uh, towards the tail end of their working life or people that are just starting or people that are wanting to give their, their children a leg up into the property market. And as time goes on, the fundamentals never change. However, how you apply the fundamentals, where you buy the properties, what you buy, is dependent on a few few key things. The first, obviously, is how much capital you've got. The second is how much tolerance you've got for negative cash flow or or tolerance or ability to contribute towards the running cost of your portfolio. And the third is, obviously, how much time have you got to see it out? Because property is not a a short-term investment strategy. It is a medium to long-term strategy. So you need to make sure that you have enough time to see it out. And different markets, different types of properties, different states have got different time frames. And you all, all you've got to do is go, go back and look at the various property cycles. And that'll, that'll help you determine how long it's going to take for you to, in the theoretical scenario, of doubling your money. Mm. Um, uh, as an example, Brisbane is a much slower market compared to Sydney and Melbourne. Um, because the cycles work differently. Uh, the cycles are flatter 
and they're longer in in your Brisbane market as opposed to Sydney and Melbourne because of the population pressure, and we need to take that into account. And uh, correspondingly, your holding costs are higher generally for if you're looking dollar for dollar uh, and, and what you can buy in the Sydney and Melbourne market as opposed to your Brisbane market. So we need to take all of those things into account and then also look at what's happening in their life. Are they starting a family? Are they due to change jobs? Are they going from PAYG into self-employment? Because all of those things will take impact. Mm. And we need to then realign what they're going to buy and, and how they're going to buy it and which entity they're going to buy it in uh, with all of those things taken into account rather than just saying, I want to buy a property, I need to build equity or I need to build cash flow and um, you go ahead and just buy. This is awfully complicated and uh, I don't think we're going to solve it in one podcast, but I think it's a really good theme for the discussion today is around how you match your strategy based on where you are Mm -hmm. in your property journey. And uh, we're very fortunate with this podcast that we have a, a real mix of people that listen into it. I know um, people with very large portfolios through to people who are just kicking off, which is great that we can actually have this conversation, which makes it a bit hard, though, for us to be really pointy and direct in not our recommendations or our advice, but the, the type of things we can chat about. But I think if we can actually give some people some tools about approaching any given investment at any given time based on what they're, where they are in their buying cycle and what they're trying to achieve. And Steve, you know, people that work with the, the right property group, myself included, um, you'll often start in any type of consultation or, or any understanding of how you can actually offer sound advice to someone on what they want the end result or the end state to be after a lifetime of investing in property. And what a lifetime of investing in property for some people might be five years. For some people, if they start at 20, it might be, you know, 40, 50 years. Uh, so I imagine you want to start at the end and work backwards from there, but that's where it gets really complicated because what Victor was outlining, there's so many different variables that will shape and influence the way in which you go about property. So what would be your advice to, to our listeners around how do you actually get a start and actually understanding this and, and how do you check in with it over time? Because it's always going to change, isn't it? Well, it is. And I think the very first step would be to educate yourself as, as mm. much as you possibly can before you have some hurt money or put some money uh, into the business, so to speak. And, and I think people tend to shortcut that to begin with. It's not a race to get started as well. So the more you educate yourself, and I don't mean procrastinate perhaps like I did when I first started, but having the right tools, having the right team around you will help you make some educated decisions along the way. And it's not just about the decisions to say yes, it's also about learning when to say no or perhaps discount a, a potential opportunity or, or realign the goals. Furthermore, from what Vic said though, I think also, and it really ties in well with the the podcast that we did uh, last month about the relationship with debt, is how are you, as you get older, are you going to be in a position where you can afford to take that debt or some of that debt with you into retirement? And a lot of the planning or that transition into retirement needs to be done probably five to 10 years. Well ahead of time. Yeah, beforehand, so that you make the right moves. That could be entities, property types, taxation advice, whatever it may be. But clearly the, the earlier you start in the journey, so to speak, is going to be far more advantageous for you than perhaps later on in, in life. And I think that's where also risk profile comes into mm-hmm. it. So if you are 50, 55 or whatever it may be and you've got a short time span before you do transition into retirement, the property type will need to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, the entity perhaps may need to be different. How does that look like with your superannuation? And I'm not talking about SMSFs or anything like that. So 
it's not just a matter of seeing your property advisor to say, well, how do I get started at this age bracket and where do I go to from here? I think it's a roundtable meeting with other advisors as well, accountants, financial planners, brokers and, and what have you, so that you have a very clear direction mm-hmm. and some very sound decisions to make going forward. Yeah, I think I think it's really important that uh, you know we don't try and play catch up right, with, with someone else that's already started probably a decade before you because they've got a head start of 10 years. Um, and probably uh, two different property cycles yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, And, and it's really important to, um, uh, if, you, if you bring it down to a nutshell, we really need to first of all assess where you are right now, where you want to get to, and then map out the process as to getting there. So uh, in terms of, uh, like I said earlier, your capital, your risk profile, what's happening in terms of employment situation, what advisors you're using um, uh, as well, well is, is a fairly fairly strong determinant. Particularly when you're talking accountants and financial advisors, uh, there are some really good ones out there, uh, but you need to be utilising someone that is in property themselves. But also understands, I think, if we, if we talk about other advisors, let's talk about a financial planner or, uh, or the like, it's someone that can actually separate themselves from perhaps where they are in their own journey, even though Absolutely. they may be an investor and mm. overlay that to be where you are and where you want to get because mm-hmm. some of the advice is you know, buy plenty, buy as much as you can. It's a yeah. great time, and, and it, but there's no real thought perhaps to the ability or the risk profile going forward. So if, if we go sideways from here and then talk about not just those people that are towards the end of their working career but also focus on perhaps the middle and the, and the beginning age brackets, one of the things that we see a lot when people want to make quick money is that they want to start talking about flipping properties or, or trading mm. properties and, and look at all the upside but not the inherent risk yep. that that goes with it. And just as off the plan or house and land packages in a rising market, and I think the ability to be able to pick a rising market and then determine the strategy or is it a sideways market and what the strategy is before you embark mm-hmm. is, is just so important. How do you work out what the strategy is? Well, I think it's there's so many pieces to the puzzle, mm. uh, and clearly everybody's different. But one of the other than the the obvious being serviceability, the ability to get money, and how much you you're beginning with, I think is risk profile is a huge one. People tend to leave that off the mm. table because the, your ap- appetite for risk, or yeah, your appetite yeah. for risk, and and let's be very clear here: there's risk involved in everything. It's not just a lay down there that property's always going to go up and mm. that it's going to get you to your end goal, whatever that looks like. But there's always some sort of risk. Will the property be tenanted? Will it have repairs and maintenance? Are you ready to ride out a wave of sideways growth such as the Sydney market now? Yeah. Uh, and how how is that going to affect you psychologically? Hmm. Is that going to paint you into a corner if your risk changes and then, and suddenly you're making bad decisions because your back might be against the wall? So risk appetite, as you mentioned, has so much to do with it. And as you get older, your risk appetite changes mm. now, perhaps when when i first started my risk appetite was a lot more than what it is mm-hmm. today as you get older and have more responsibilities and families and and, and what have you it's a, it's a bit of a yeah if it, if it was this was a visual podcast it's you know, it starts high then it'll kind of ebb out and then it'll get lower well, as you m- get most older people will appreciate that because if they look at anyone with a, a retailer industry super fund if you're 20 years old they'll probably chuck it in sort of high growth like, more volatile assets whereas when you get to the back end of your working life They'll put your superannuation, whoever your your fund manager is, um, into really safe mm-hmm. assets, mm-hmm. which most yeah. likely not to be too exposed to risk, and it's just a natural. It is na- natural but, occurrence. But there are some people that want to play the sort of race eight, get out of jail card stakes, and 
say, well, I haven't got much time left. I haven't done anything, so I'm all in. So this is the key thing. you just got to yeah. make sure you start with enough time to actually, you know, realise. Mm. And there's always circumstance and life experience and the way that your, your, your life unfolds might change your ability to make these decisions. Mm. But, you know, if you've got people... If you're sitting there and you're in your very late 50s and you've been a small business owner and um, and this is a very common thing and you haven't been contributing to your super for, for 20 years because you've been trying to make payroll or pay tax or whatever and then you work out that as soon as you stop working that your cash is drying up and you haven't provided for your retirement, I imagine you get a lot of people coming to knock on your door saying, can you help me? I need to I've got to quickly. do something right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, and yeah. I've got a pot full of cash. Let's 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 go. Let's, ro- let's roll. It's um, – and – they also do it with their super. Like if we take away the, the self-employed scenario and, and just look at people's super, and I'm certainly not giving it financial advice here, but a lot of people go down the path of setting up a self-managed superannuation fund to invest in property or, or have some control perhaps over their own their own monies. But what we see in the in the broader community is people tend to treat the the super as like a Harvey Norman card. Nothing against Harvey Norman, but it's on the never never. Like, well, let's just let's have a bit of risk in this because I can't touch it, it's 30 or 40 years away before I can touch it and time heals all wounds and mm. that's just the complete wrong way mm-hmm. to look at it. You, you should be looking at your super, in my opinion anyway, that it's your get-out-of-jail card. It's your last line of defence. You sort your super out and you can do other stuff. Uh, I'm very similar to that. I, my, I keep my super it's very conservative, what I do with my super. 100%. I yeah. don't really get much return on it, but um, you know, if all else fails, at least that's sitting there, you know, and... Uh, well, and, and that's that's this your line of defence, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think um, the property, and just away from super and back into the into the whole strategy scenario in terms of age brackets, it really you need to find your niche, perhaps, is a, is a way to look at it. Uh, and that niche is going to be everything is going to make up that point of view for you. So whether your risk, your ability, being cash flow uh, and capital. Uh, and perhaps time as well. And so mm. when you th- when you throw those three major ingredients into the pot, you can start making some decisions. You can start making. Some is it ever too late, Victor, to invest in property? Uh, look, I, I'd say a qualified yes. Uh, the reason being that if if you if you haven't got the cash uh, or cash flow to sustain your portfolio, and you haven't had any properties under your belt you really need to get some really strong advice and really mitigate your risk because you've got, there's no fallback, mm. right? As, as opposed to someone that's 30, 40 years old, they start, they've at least got 20, 30 years up their sleeve. Uh, if things outside of their control, so what I'm talking about is the economy because we, we can't control the economy as, as one person. As a collective, we may be able to. Global influence, your um, uh, federal policies, they could all have a very strong bearing on on the outcome of the property or properties that you buy. And if you've started too late and, and you've gone down the one path of, let's say, um, uh, creating value, so in other words, uh, buy, add value uh, and, and hold on, that could change the scenario immensely. And, and it, it could be uh, a, a case where you you financially hurt yourself and there's no way of uh, getting yourself out of it. So you've mm. gone through the whole exercise and you've come out on the other end, you're probably just a little bit better off, right? That's if you get unqualified, uh, unprocessed or, or not thought out recommendations. So don't jump into, if, you, if you're in the latter parts of your working life, don't jump into brand new, you know, off the plan properties. Well, I was going to say, we're, we're, we're literally days away from 
uh, end of financial year, and this is when people probably start thinking a little bit more about this when they sit in front uh, of their no, accountant. No, I, yeah, I, I think I think it's it's more your August is is when they because they they actually sit down in front of the accountant at that point in time, right? And they start say, doing after their tax the fact. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what do you do then? What, what do you do? Is they go, yeah. yeah, you're paying too much tax. Uh, what you need to do is buy a property. Hey, I've got one here. Yeah. Um, which is a it's a new build apartment, great depreciation, mm-hmm. and it's what happens all the time, right? It, it you does. Get tax benefits it does. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get depreciation benefits, yeah. and that's people's first full reign to property yeah. investing. Or the on. accountant may turn around and say, you've got to do something about tax. Uh, my suggestion is buy a property. Right? Mm. And the reality is that they're coming in from a tax minimization point of view. This is, this is something that we've been harping on time and time again, that from an accountant's perspective, from a financial perspective, they're coming in from a tax minimization, not a wealth creation perspective. And that's the major difference of using a property strategist as opposed to just running off the recommendations of your accountant who is focusing on minimizing your tax. The two are very different um, uh, different bits. Rarely do they run congruent. True, true. Yeah. Well, most accountants I know will try and minimize tax. And you see a lot of accountants that operate for small to medium business owners where they'll try and make their uh, tax position as favourable as possible, but and then when they take those set of financials to a bank, the bank goes, "I'm not lending you yeah. any so money." There's, yeah, so let, there's yeah. two sides <laughs> yeah. to that story. Yeah. And yeah. for all you self-employed people out there that might have cashies, you're not helping yourself. You're no. not. Pay your tax, Pay show your tax. big profits, and you can borrow. Yeah. And, you know. and that's the that's the vehicle. But from from the accountant's perspective, right? This is not bashing the accountant. He operates off the charter you give him. Mm. or her, right? So if you're telling the accountant, I want to pay as little tax as possible without unfolding to him the whole scenario of what you're trying to achieve financially, his only charter is to reduce your tax, Mm. right? So that's what he's going to do. Uh, Whereas if you sat down with him along with the property strategist and mapped out a plan to say that by the next decade, this is what I want to achieve in terms of wealth. And that way we're actually sitting down and designing the decade with your property strategist and making sure that um, we are actually declaring enough income, if it's a self-employed position, uh, declaring enough income without taking away from um, the tax minimization so that we have the best of both worlds. So this goes to Steve's point, um, when you should probably all sit with your advisory panel all together so everyone can actually understand, you know, you, you as the property investor or the, 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 the client needs to be setting in collaboration with the, the support you're getting, the the strategy, but they all need to be working in unison to make sure that they're delivering important. on this stuff. Yeah, and that's exactly – we actually yeah. do call it the advisory panel, so yeah. to speak, and that includes the broker as well because you know, brokers might want a certain – or accountants might want a certain entity for protection and the broker's saying, yeah, that's cool, but I can't get money in that entity, whatever it may be, and we're mm. saying, well – we don't think that property would suit that entity. So it is an actual collective. Mm-hmm. You need to be all pulling in the same direction. Yeah. And so that- who normally drives that? From your experience when you sit in those um, advisory meetings, who's the sort of the primary outside of the client or the person, mm. the investor? Who's the, who's the primary person and who e- drives it? Equal input. Yeah. It, um, we, we look at the current scenario and we look where we want to be uh, in terms of the goals. Mm. Uh, and then clearly everybody has their input and sometimes the the end result is well we can't do anything it's time to consolidate for Mm -hmm. a few years because of serviceability or or household budget restrictions whatever it may be there's no one person that drive it we we try to make an agenda beforehand so that uh, it runs smoothly and effectively because the biggest thing is with with investing in any asset class is 
you can't be reactive. It's a proactive approach. And that comes down to all of your advisors as well. There's no use going to your accountant at the end of the financial year, not that we're talking purely about accountants, and saying, hey, here's my position. Let's make it better. You, you actually should be there saying, okay, that year was covered off because we planned for it mm. 12 months prior and mm-hmm. then can continue on for the next year. It makes your life so much easier and it makes probably their much their life much easier so, as well. Victor, how far down the process is the actual asset selection as part of this conversation? So we're talking about your strategy at a given time in your property journey in your mm-hmm. 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, 70s and how it needs to match the actions and activities that you're doing. So the asset selection as in, a house worth this much money in this particular location, that's way down the path. Way down the track. Way, way down, down the, the track. track. Yeah, most people uh, put that right up front. That's say, what you say. They go, yeah. oh, I've got this property here. It looks really good. Let's work out a strategy to suit yeah, that. How can that's we make this happen? It yeah. Mm. yeah. So it's, it's a, you know, they force it to fit into into their circumstances because they really like the property or everyone else is buying. They're listening to, you know, a myriad of podcasts and they're saying, you know, buy in this area. So they're all jumping into that area because mm. apparently it's performing well. You need to understand that it's performing well for that area. It might not perform well for your personal portfolio because your circumstances are different, right? So you need to take that into account. Something that just popped into my mind in terms of changing strategies, right? So uh, just post GFC, we helped a lot of clients to buy, renovate, and pull their money out immediately, right? Now, that strategy is still uh, still uh, feasible right now, except for the pull your money out immediately bit, mm. yeah? So clients at that time were able to buy multiples in a year because finance was easy to get. So you could get your 90 95% loans, you did a small renovation, there was an uplift of value, you reached back into the property and pulled all of money back out. And that was usually a three-month process back then. Mm. If, you, if you try and do it now, you're going to struggle because the, uh, the banks have changed their criteria and most banks would want you to have held onto the property for six, maybe 12 months before they'll allow you to top up your loans. And they won't get you your 95% or 90%. It may be 80%. So whilst the strategy is still there, there is an adjustment in terms of the number of transactions you can do on a time frame. Uh, and equally importantly, the money does get caught up in it. So so having that recycling money uh, as, as a strategy that worked really well about five, six years ago isn't working as well. It is still a viable strategy, but it needs to be adjusted. If we explore that a little bit further, and I think that's a, it's because it's a valid point, is that the you mentioned recycling and that's the key to it. Mm-hmm. It's just using the you know, potentially the same capital over and over again to yep. make your portfolio bigger, so to speak. But it's still the trigger point in today's market for some areas is that, is that renovation potential. Mm. Uh, and the very reason that you can't recycle is also making it a harder to get rec- – well, for most people, harder to purchase it because they can't get the finance, mm-hmm. therefore making it perhaps – a brighter opportunity for you if you're not interested in recycling or you don't have to recycle because yep. the equity's still there. That's You've right. created That's wealth, right. so to speak. You just can't get it out to use again mm-hmm. in a, in a short period of in a short period of time. And I think where people perhaps get a little greedy or they get a little bit ambitious, overly ambitious, is that they want to buy four, five, six properties mm-hmm. in a year. And today's lending environment is just not. Is anyone doing that? You know, is anyone able to get that? 
Because if you do, you've got to be 100% focused. I'm trying to get some financing at the moment. As soon as I forget about it for a couple of days, it just sort of... You go back to square one. Go, go back and, to square one. Yeah, and you've been doing this for, what, six months now? You've been a trying while. to... Yeah. yeah. It, um, <laughs> <laughs> and I just got a note from my broker um, last night saying, oh, the bank's come back with more questions. I'm like, God. But that's, you know. but, but that's because of perhaps the sophistication level mm. that you're at with multiple properties. Now, I've, mm, yeah. I've been going for eight months yep. on, a, on a loan because it's not a straight up and down loan. And that's... Perhaps the result of exposure within the market. And mm-hmm. that, that's just the way it is. But and as your portfolio grows larger, uh, it becomes harder. And, and of course, your property selection for the next uh, acquisition becomes a lot more uh, exacting in the sense that you have to get it absolutely right. Otherwise, you impact all of the good work that you've done so far. Yeah. And if we go back to the very basics in terms of the strategy, what are you after? Are you after growth or are you after to cash flow? And they're, they're basically the two... Or strategies. The other thing that some people are after is the buzz of buying property. That yeah, and that is some people love the action. Mm-hmm. And it's just look at me, I've got another one. Yeah, you've got to fall in love yeah. with the result, not the action. Correct. Yeah. What do you like the most? Do you like doing it still? You love so the I like action. Purchasing. You love the action. That's it's what you action guys do, Jackson, right? is it? <laughs> no, I, look, no, I, I, I don't. Yeah. It. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. I've got a good team around me that take care of that in mm. terms of the process and the brokers and, and what have you. But you chase the outcome for the you chase I the love, outcome. I love the yeah. outcome. To be honest with you, and I would dare say if it, most people, if they were truthful, would say the same, I find it an, an inconvenience. Like when you've got a when you're purchasing a property, there's a lot of moving parts. Once you've done it a few times, it just becomes, you know, it just it just is it, well, it, it just is, just but is. it still is an inconvenience. Yeah. The broker wants information from you for the fifth time. Yeah. Yeah, and you were too slow getting it, so everything's changed. So it, it, yeah. it takes a lot of time. And so mm-hmm. I think as you evolve as, a, as an investor, no matter f- how finely tuned you are, it, it's still it's just still a big mountain of work. So some takeaways, Victor, for people tuning into this, um, and, and the conversation is around – how you approach your strategy, how you set your strategy at any given time at your property journey. Mm-hmm. And it's it's quite vague and loose. And we can't be specific about this because everything is always different for every single person. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the variables are endless. You know, how do you generate your income? Where where you are? Are you having are you having kids? Are you moving from BAYG to small whatever? Whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So so you can't just it is so difficult to navigate through this. Um what's become clear to me is that you need need some people to help me out with it because yep. otherwise it's very hard to make those decisions yourself. Mm-hmm. Here's a really interesting stat that we recognise clearly is that if done properly, it's taking up to three months from the time someone perhaps uh, sits with us through to the time that they have finance approval. So that's that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a quarter of a year. That's a mm-hmm. long time. It's not like, hey, I want to buy a property, let's go. There's a lot of planning Beforehand, and clearly the finance takes a lot longer now than it did a decade ago. But, but there's running, a lot in of par- running in parallel to the finance because you need finance, right? You're going to yeah. have a number of, you know, you're going to be, I want to be getting a pre approval for this particular amount, Mike. But running parallel to that is the strategy that people are creating. True. So, how do you guys go about doing that? And, and, you know, you can use a buyer's agent or not, but you would sit with someone and say, would you say, what do you think your retirement is going to look like? Is that how you'd start off with something no, like I, that? How do you do no, it? we don't because it's a very fine line between advice and Yeah, you know, so, so how do you approach people. it? Um, look, well, it's, it is different for everybody, but generally speaking is we look at you know, the, the, the A&L of, of what they have now and perhaps what their operating costs are, end goal, all the usual stuff that you, you know, all the listeners would hear all the time. 
But where the gold is, is as Victor said earlier on, the, the, the property type is the last thing down the line, but there's a lot of pre-planning beforehand. So mm. it's, well, let's have a look at the household budgets. Let's look at the capital, the time frame. what's on for the future. Is, is the, the kids going to school? Finance. The flexibility of finance. And then particularly the strategy then really gets dialed into, well, and, you know, and we've obviously talked about risk profile and, and all the good stuff, is that, well, is it the cash flow? Is it the growth? Or is it a combination of both? Because a strategy isn't set in place. You don't, and that in combination with the property type, it's not like, I want to go out and buy three properties and that'll do me for the rest of my life. Every property is almost a direct result of the property before it because the mm. property before it has actually made a difference to the household budget in terms of cash flow and, and you know, wealth, so to speak. So you can't just say, well, I'm going to go get three of those. It just mm. doesn't work that easy. That's why there's a lot of time beforehand. Yeah. So it, it's also not, uh, you know, let, we're going to buy a property in Brisbane or we're going to buy a property in Sydney. It is more, what's the property going to do? So what does it look like? So it could be that the property may be, and, and assuming we've got enough time, um, the property may may have a particular uh, outcome. That's what we're after. And it could be in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide. We don't know as yet until we've sat down and honed it down right to the minute uh, and then we go out hunting rather than, okay, let's do a strategy for Brisbane, buying in Brisbane as an example. Yeah, and so when we talk about the, the, a strategy needing to be flexible, it's mm. not that we're changing you know, 180 degrees into mm. a different direction. It's just about finessing as you go. Knowing with, the outcome. With yeah, the result tweaking, of each and every property. And tinkering as you go along yeah. as you Correct. obtain more properties, acquire more properties. But what makes it very hard is if, uh, you know, let's say the strategy to begin with, because you've done it yourself or, or use somebody else's, well, let's go out and buy an $800,000 property with a 2% yield, whatever it may be, and then we've got to adjust for that. And that mm. takes many, many years of mm. other asset selection to be That's able right. to perhaps build up the cash flow. So start as you mean to continue. Yeah. And don't jump in and start buying uh, properties left, right and centre. It has to be methodical in the sense that you've got to put one foot forward in front of the other. Mm. Uh, so buy one at a time. Uh, see what the impact is financially. Uh, before you jump on the next one. Now, obviously, some people would have uh, the ability to buy rapidly, depending on how much cash flow they've got, depending on how much capital they've got and their risk appetite. But generally, you, what, what you need to do is buy one, bet it down, at least wait for one a lot of uh, statements come through before you jump in for the next one. But in the meantime, you could be preparing for the next one. As Steve, you said, when you're buying property number two, we've already taken property number one into account, but you're also taking into account potential property number three into account as well as to how it'll impact. Because sometimes on, on the surface, the property may look perfect and it's got massive equity sitting on it uh, after you did a small renovation, if that was the case. Uh, it may have subdivision potential. It may have all, all this fancy stuff on it. Mm. But if it's going to stop you from buying property number three altogether because of the heavy negative cash flow it's going to bring in, it's the wrong property for your portfolio. right? So whilst on the surface it may match, because we are sitting down and analyzing how, what, your, what your borrowing capacity is for this property and going forward as well, it helps determine whether we're buying that property now or maybe that's a property where we've, after we've built up the cash flow in the portfolio, that may be property number five as an example, if, if that's the goal. And whilst asset selection is ever so important, clearly, mm -hmm. I think where people uh, tend to be a little bit short-sighted is that they're, they're doing their numbers on today's finance yes so at you know four percent three point eight percent whatever four and a half percent whatever it may be and they're not actually taking into account that rates 
it will uh, rise. They will go up, whether it be for the next two years or whatever it may yeah, be. There's a good chance they're going to go up because it's as cheap as it's ever been to get get, get mortgage yeah. finance. So if you're further to Vic's point, if you've gone out and bought that heavily, yes, it might have uh, given you some wealth or some equity, but it's heavily negative cash flow pre-tax mm-hmm. today. What what does that look like when rates are back at five percent or five and a half percent or whatever it may be, and how will that affect the bud or the household mm-hmm. uh, budget, so to speak? So. To me, it's, it's really good. irrespective of where you are in your journey and what you're trying to achieve in property. One thing we would all agree on is that the sooner you can start thinking about investing in property, the better off you're going to be because you're just going to have more choice. Well, if you, if you talk to any person that has invested for at least 10 years, mm-hmm. right, you ask them, uh, yeah. when is the best time to start? They'll say, when I started, I wish I had started 10 years before that. Yeah. Right? But everyone says so that. So time is a valuable commodity. Yep, it it gives you choice, irrespective mm-hmm. of what you're trying to achieve. It's the mm-hmm. most valuable commodity yeah. there is in property because it's a medium to long term correct that's it so uh, people are listening is probably going okay i'll get all that now so what do i do about it so what i've done victor is that i've chosen a question which i thought would wrap nicely in with mm-hmm. this discussion today and i've been picking through them uh questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au please send them in and um we're, we're pretty tactical about which questions we use and when and this question is from cynthia and cynthia writes uh love the podcast guys please keep it up um it's quite specific, this one, so it gives a good conversation. Um, Cynthia says, uh, I've got two properties. I'm 33 years old. The two properties up in Brisbane with the LVR around 73%. I'm thinking about getting into the city market. I've got between sort of eighty five and 100000 bucks. She can get access to equity too. What strategy should I be looking at? Um, so we get a lot of these yeah. things, right? Like people go, this is me. What do I do? So this is something specific. 33 years old, two properties, LVR is not bad, 73% uh, up in Brizzy. So, you know, not really setting the world on fire at the mm-hmm. moment. Might be some getting some good yields out of it, but she might not mm-hmm. get some growth. she got time on her side. But what does she do? Well, I think the, the first thing is that we can't really answer that question uh, to its fullest unless we sit down with, with her and, and um, map out exactly what she's trying to achieve, right? Uh, and and, and this, is, this is probably the starting point for most of our clients mm. is uh, they have this general idea right? and, and where do I buy, right? It's, um, that's, that's something that we need to map out in terms of um, uh, you know, exactly what you're trying to is, is, is this time frame 10 years? Mm. Is this time frame 20 years? Uh, is it five years? Uh, so we need to we need to map that out first with her, uh, and because we are constrained by the amount of capital that she has available, it also limits your purchase price of your of your asset. Uh, and I'm assuming that she can only get eighty uh, percent, which would then mean that uh, in most cases we're out of Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah, you're not in uh, Sydney. Yeah, and I think the other component there, which which she hasn't talked about, is well, what what does a cash flow scenario look like on the mm-hmm. Brisbane properties? Correct. Uh, what does the future look like? Married, kids, schooling. Mm-hmm. There's so much more to it. And I understand it's a very general question and we can only give a very general answer. But these are the questions we always get because – and what I think it what, – what it says to me is that this is people's headspaces. They're thinking really mechanical in terms. Oh, I want to get into Sydney. Oh, this is what I've got right now rather mm-hmm. than what is my world like today? What is it going to look like into the future and how you build out a strategy from that? And that's, and that's my point. Mm-hmm. And I, I gather that's yours mm-hmm. as well. There is so much more – yeah. to it than that and, and to generally say should I get in the Sydney market yeah, Cynthia's probably thinking well I need some diversification and you know Sydney primed is mm-hmm. it ready to ready to go and as Vic said you know assuming that she's only going to get an 80% lend 
there's and not a lot you can get in Sydney. There's, no. Well, there's, there's probably nothing no. really it, um, of, of worthwhile. Yeah. So, so we'd probably there's need some to good. There's some good apartments out Mascot Way you can buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so oh, we prob- be- probably have to. <laughs> that's look a, that's at a whole different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We'd have to look at her and say, uh, you know what? Uh, maybe it's time to sit it out for a little while longer while you build up your deposit, while while the equity rises in the other properties as well, so mm. that we can tap into a higher amount of capital uh, to give you give us a broader selection of assets. That and we I, th- can I think that's a great answer because you, just because you want to buy doesn't mean that you should. But in terms of preparation, um, Cynthia, thirty-three years old. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you have a have a job uh, if you've already got a couple of properties because banks lend you money. Work out how you can make more money. Work harder, get a promotion, get a pay rise. Set yourself a goal. All this sort mm-hmm. of stuff yeah. helps. Set yourself a goal that you'll let's just say it was one hundred and fifty thousand you need. So do whatever it takes to work create, on your budgeting. Yeah, to create so that. something everyone can do immediately is spend Always. less money. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's it's easier said than done, as you know. But it's um, it's something that you should aim for. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Speaking of spending money, Victor, how's your uh, fleet of antique vehicles going? Antique vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know they. I know they are uh, speaking about not spending money. They're, uh, they're actually. I got, I got my car in the shop at the moment, Steve. You're like this, getting a new clutch. Talk about antique. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so, we really should film one of these just. To, <laughs> I think it'd be a good idea. It would be. It. Oh, if you want that, let, let us know. Uh, happy to do it if you want a bit, bit more fly on the wall. Um, you can see how badly dressed Steve is most of the time. Um, <laughs> it's probably why it's been avoiding it. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought I was going to get away with a podcast without being sledged. Well, you know, they do a great end of, end of financial year sale down at Lowe's, mate. You'll be lining up, I imagine. I'll be behind Nothing you. Nothing wrong with Lowe's, by the way. I'll be I'll behind be you. Proudly <laughs> sponsored by. Proudly sponsored by. <laughs> That's cool. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed the uh, the discussion today. Um, you know, it, it's hard. Property is always difficult because people always want to talk in real tangibles, but mm-hmm. it's clear everyone is absolutely unique. Yep. And um, uh, before we end, I think uh, what I want to do is um, for people that are listening to our podcast, it is coming to the end of the financial year. My suggestion is before you sit down with the accountant, come and sit down with us, uh, have a discussion around property, and that way you can go armed in uh, with all of your goals to your accountant when you're doing your tax. So you can have an actual conversation with him or her uh, and and start uh, thinking about how does this tax return shape your future. So think differently and you can think only do that by getting yep. different information. Be proactive. Okay. Yep. How, how, how do people contact you? What's the, what's the best so one? So they could uh, reach us to, uh, to us through questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au or, or go to our social media page uh, at uh, Right Property Group and um, uh, send us a private message. And we do have our open forums once a month in Sydney and in Melbourne. Nice one. All right, gentlemen, uh, I do enjoy it. Thank you. It's always uh, a pleasure for you to come in and uh, I feel more informed now. You just reaffirmed to me they've got to sort my stuff out again. But uh, How many anyway. times have we had that conversation? Well, every single time we meet. Right, two years. Yeah, And this is it, you know, it, it always changes depending where you are in your property journey. Priorities, Phil, so, priorities. Priorities. Nice one. All right, thanks, guys. Really do appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back again next time. Until then, bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is a appropriate for you.